You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And so you can open up over to uh, Jeremiah, if you would, in the Old Testament, chapter 6, Jeremiah chapter 6. I really encourage you to follow along in your own Bible and highlight things, uh, you know, take some notes, take hold of these things. Um, as we look at this, this we, we spent some time in, these, in this verse last week, and we're going to review a bit and then get into some new things. I love these kinds of verses because they are so practical. The Bible is filled with practical instruction. And what we have to remember about that is it's not, God's instruction is different than other instructions we get in, in our lives. It's instruction, but it's full of life. And so as we plug these things, every instruction that God gives us is to bring us into more of his life. Again, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you could have life and life more abundantly. John 10.10. He has this abundant life that's his desire and his will for us, and he paid for it at the cross. He wants us to have it. But as we walk in God's ways, as we learn to know him better, and we build these these instructions, we don't just do God's instructions. God's instructions are alive. So we build them into our hearts and they produce fruit of different attitudes, different behaviors, different ways of thinking, different ways of moving in life. And so we come to something like this with, again, our, our subject is rest. How do we find the rest of God? And actually, let me go ahead and uh, give you those definitions again. We talked about this last week that that term rest in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, both in Hebrew and in Greek, it is, it's not just laying on the couch. It's not uh, just inactivity, just shutting down. I mean, a lot of times that's what we do for, for physical rest or even mental or emotional rest, but that's not what the Bible means by rest. It is a state of continual rest and refreshment in the midst of activity. So we can, we can rest in God while we're in motion. We can rest in God while we're doing life. All right, it is something, it is a, this, this flow of refreshment and rest and peace that we can live in all the time. All right, so it's not a state of passivity or inactivity you know, God, the Holy Spirit is never inactive. He never shuts down. He's constantly working in us. Two areas. He's working in us and he's working around us. Okay. Uh, the scripture tells us over in uh, Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says that the Lord is going to work in us continually right up to the time that he comes back to complete the work he started in us. So he is always at work in us, and it also um, scripture also tells us that the there's no end to the increase of God's kingdom and God's peace. The kingdom is always expanding, growing, moving. the The kingdom is the the place where God rules, the place where God reigns. the The, the Holy Spirit He is constantly. Uh, working both to transform us and to bring people into the kingdom of God and under, uh, into God's life. 
So he's, he's never inactive. I mean, it just isn't the way God is. In the New Testament, um, this term rest means inward tranquility in the midst of necessary labor. And we talked last week about the fact that because of the fallen condition of our planet, bringing forth life always requires labor. It requires a birthing process. It requires activity. And, and uh, so, so the Holy Spirit is always working these things and we can have this rest in our lives. And, th- and that's what we're talking about here. So let's go back to this verse in, that's on our screen, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 it begins, and again, this is the New Living Translation, but it says, this is what the Lord says. Okay, this is what the Lord says. So this is an instruction from the Lord on how to live. And again, it's extremely practical, but when we know that God has said something, we need to pay attention to it. And I'll say this again. I might say it more than once again. I think it bears repeating. Any instruction or even correction, or discipline that comes from God comes to bring us into more of his life. It's always to bring us into more of his life. It is for our benefit and for our good. And I I feel like I just need to stand on that for a minute. So when we talk about, depending on what your background is, instruction, most of us are cool with that, okay? Correction, we might be a little nervous about. Maybe we're not opposed to correction. Uh, but because of the, the image that some of us have and have been given of God's nature, if you grew up seeing him as, you know, the, the big man in heaven with a stick just waiting for an opportunity to whack you upside the head, if that way, and a lot of people did, that's pretty much what they were taught about God. If that's your image of him, then his correction can be pretty scary. You don't necessarily want to run into that. Whereas if you understand that Jesus is perfect theology, he is the exact image of the Father, then, in fact, I've known a number of people who were very comfortable with Jesus, but not comfortable with God the Father. Because they misunderstood the whole point of the Old Testament and they saw God the Father as this judgmental, critical, you know, every once in a while he flares up and whacks people, you know, type of person. But they saw Jesus as kind and benevolent and loving and that kind of thing. They're the same. What you see in Jesus is who the Father is. That's one of the big reasons that Jesus came and took on a body so we could really see what the Father is like. So when we do read the Old Testament, we need to read it through that perspective and understand that everything God does is from love. Everything, okay? So when we talk about instruction or correction or discipline, we need to go to John chapter 15. We're not going to do it this morning, probably. But in John chapter 15, Jesus talked, remember, he talked about the vine and the branches. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The Father is the gardener. Uh, who is working in the vineyard. And he, so he said, I'm the vine. That means he's the, he's the source of life. He's the central source of life. And then we vines, you know, or we branches grow out of him as the vine. So his life is coming up and then it's feeding through us. It's giving us life. And at the end of that whole process, we produce fruit. 
That's what he said. And he said what the father does is he prunes in that vineyard. So he, and the process of pruning means he removes things that will hinder growth and fruitfulness. And, and he promotes things that will uh, promote fruitfulness. In fact, he says that he prunes us so that we will be more fruitful. So the idea is when his life is working in us and we begin to bear the fruit of his life, our outward, our, our attitudes and our activities reflect the life that is on the inside of us. And when that looks like Jesus, well, then he calls that bearing fruit. And he says, the father's going to do this process of pruning in our lives as a result of the fact that we're fruitful. The fact it's, it's almost, I think Bill Johnson says that pruning is the reward for fruitfulness, you know? And, and so, because if we get the idea right, whatever pruning he does is done to make us more fruitful. So Jesus says specifically, he uses two words. He talks about pruning and he talks about cleansing in that chapter, in John chapter 15. They, they're the same word. And we don't think of that as, this, we don't think of pruning and cleansing as being the same thing. But, but in the Greek, it's the same word. The idea is, and he says, you are cleansed because of my word. Okay, are you, are you still sticking with me? I'm going to make a point here. So the idea is, when we talk about God's instruction, or we talk about God's correction, or even his discipline, number one, it comes through his word. It comes through his word. This is how he cleanses us. He speaks to us. He gives us his word. Cleansing, pruning, removing stuff that would hinder growth. And, and leaving stuff that will grow well, okay? That's what he's doing in our life, and he's doing it through his word. So a lot of us grew up in systems that taught us that, oh, all kinds of things. Uh, God put me in a car accident to uh, make my life better, to make me more fruitful. God made me sick or made my baby sick or whatever to, to grow me spiritually. That's not what Jesus said, now, God will work. You get in the car accident because the devil wants to kill you. You get in the car accident. God will be right there and he'll work with you and he may teach you to not mess with your cell phone, but he didn't, he didn't make the accident. He didn't send the accident to do that. He's probably been telling you to put the cell phone down for some time in the past. I'm just guessing here. Okay, this is how he does it with me. When you start to hear that, stop going through Yellow lights. I used to get this one in Albuquerque, especially. I mean, here, whatever. But, you know, not that you should go through that. I'm saying, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll stop there. Lights are like 10 seconds long. But I, we would, and, and we both had this. You know, you'd be driving, you're in traffic. Everybody's driving like a maniac. And, and you just get in these habits. And pretty soon I'd start feeling that nudge on the inside. Stop doing that you know, watch farther ahead and stop doing that. And sure enough, within a short period of time, I'd come up to an intersection where somebody blew through the red and there I would have been if I wasn't listening to that. God will speak to you from his word, from his written word and to your heart. And he will, he will do these things. He's not going to, you know, again, a lot of us were taught that he brings evil things, bad things, into our life to train us. Jesus said that's not the way he did it. So you don't need to argue with me. You may want to argue with Jesus about it. 
But he said the way that he does is through his words. So bad things happen in life. Again, some of them are from the devil. Some of them are just, you know, other people's bad choices or my bad choices. Okay, there are lots of reasons things happen. God will be there in the midst of it and he'll speak to you and he will teach you in the middle of that. That doesn't mean he sent that thing to be the training tool, okay? So I just say all of that to say this, this verse starts out, God says this, all right? This is what the Lord says. And then he gives us a bunch of practical steps. Well, this is not a suggestion, okay? This is, if you want to have rest in this case, if you want to have life, if you want to have strength, if you want to have health, if you want to have faith. I mean, there are all kinds of tens of thousands of instructions in the scripture. They're all there to bring us into more life. Is this making sense to you? So this is what the Lord says. Hopefully you got something out of that. This is what the Lord says. Okay, that's an important phrase. So he says, in fact, let's read this differently today. He says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Let me read that this way. At the crossroads, stop. Okay, at the crossroads, and again, we talked about this last week. Crossroads are places where two different ways meet. The Bible talks a lot about paths. We're on some kind of path in our life. Every path is going somewhere. There are, there are ways. There, we talk about the ways of God. It's the way he does things, including why he does things. It's the path of life. The Bible talks to us about being on the path of life, that Jesus is the path of life. Jesus said there's a path that leads to life, and it's narrow. And, and the majority of people actually don't find it. He is the way, the path. That's what that means. I am the way, the truth, the life. We just sang it. I am the path. I'm the path. Okay? Jesus, not me. Jesus. Uh, and, and so whenever we come to places in life where two different ways of proceeding intersect, that's a crossroads. Okay, so it's, so it's two different ideas about how life works. It's two different value systems. It's to, and at every one of those crossroads, we get to decide, which one am I going to take? And, and there's only one of those that leads to life. Jesus said the way that there's this narrow way that leads to life. He said there's another way, and it's described as like a broad open plane. It's just, man, you can go just about every direction on that. It leads to destruction, okay? And we get to choose which way do we go. And we run into these intersections all the time with ideas about how to do business, ideas about how to be an employee, about how to be a good son or a daughter or a parent, uh, a husband, a wife, a friend, um, how to handle our money, how to, you know, we run into these intersections all the time and there's one thought, I'll say thought process that goes this way and one that goes this way and they end somewhere. And one ends in more life, more of Jesus' life, more of God's life and abundance that he has for us. The other one ends in death. And again, that means, um, it doesn't just mean dying physically. It means separation from all of the things of God. It means we get separated out. We just live a human existence. We're off in our own world and our own sin and, and just living on a human level. One of these paths leads to life, one leads to death. And we run into these crossroads all the time. 
We run into these decisions all the time. And I think a lot of the time we don't recognize how important a decision is. Who you have as friends is hugely important. Who you marry is hugely important. Uh, what, how you choose to spend the first part of every day is going to determine a lot about the way that your life goes. You know, whether you just determine to plug into the body of Christ or not, that's a huge, important decision in your life. These decisions are out there every day. We get these messages. We hear these things. We hear that people think this way and people think that way and they believe this system works and they have these values and, and, and some of them are godly and some of them are not. Those are all crossroads for us. And, and so here he, he says at the crossroads, the first thing he says is stop, stop. Okay, so that means don't just blow through the intersection, right? Recognize it recognize that there's a decision to make here. There's, there are more than one way I could go here. And at this intersection, I need to adopt. One of these paths is going to be mine. I'm going to travel on it. So I need to slow down. I need to stop. I, I, you know, I need to not just, in fact, I need to not just move through, even probably especially based on you know, the way I was raised and the way I've always done it and the way my family did it and the way I've always heard it's supposed to be done and the way that the culture, what the culture thinks. You know, in fact, Jesus said, again, he said, the, the way of life is a narrow way. It doesn't just go everywhere. It's not every idea that's out there. That is not the way of life. It's narrow and it's straight, and there are a few that find it, okay? Or a few that adopt it would be a good way to think about that. The way to destruction is broad, and, and multitudes are going on it. So when we think that because something is popular or popularly accepted, or the vast majority of people think this is the right way, that's no indicator that that's God's way. It may be an indicator it's not God's way, okay? It's, it's popularity, large crowds, people, everybody else is doing it. I don't know if you guys get away with that these days. My mom never let us get away with that, so, you know. Uh, but, you know, those kinds of ideas, well, that's what everybody, everybody thinks this. And I'll feel uncomfortable if I'm different. Well, you've got a decision to make. That's a crossroads. And Jesus made it really clear the way to destruction is wide open and the majority, it's very sad, sad, sad truth. And I know it breaks God's heart, but the majority of people are not going to find that path to life who is Jesus Christ. So, so the idea here is at every one of those, we need to stop Israel. Uh, remember when they went into the promised land and they went to Jericho and they took that city and then they went right to Ai and just tried to do the exact same thing. They had, listen to this, they had the big picture. God's giving us the land. Okay, so they knew the, the big will and purpose of God. They had that and they were right about it. But there was also specific instruction that they needed. They were supposed to do AI different than Jericho. Okay, the first city, God said, do it this way. The second city, they just went right up. And you always see David, maybe you learned from that, uh, you always see David stop before a battle and ask the Lord, are you going to give them in, 
into our hands or not? Should we go up? Should we wait? What are we supposed to do? He knew the big picture, what God's will and purpose was. But within God's will and purpose for every one of us, there are a whole bunch of little instructions. And, you know, it's one of those things where, well, why did you do it that way, God? Because he loves the interaction. I think, this is my opinion. He loves the relationship. He wants to be our personal trainer and coach. He doesn't want to just give us the picture, go on, I'll see you, you know, I'll see you in heaven. You know, it, it just isn't how he is. So there are these smaller instructions. And if we don't stop, we'll just keep doing even the, even the good godly thing. What they did at Jericho wasn't wrong. It was right, but it wasn't right for the next situation. There are lots of truths in the scripture People always pull them out and say, these are contradictions. It's like, no, they're both true. You know, again, we always go back to Proverbs where it says, um, speak to a fool in his folly. Otherwise, I think I have this backwards, but speak to a fool in his folly. Otherwise, uh, he might be caught up in his own conceit. <laughs> Sorry, it's something like that. It's close. You guys look it up. And then the next verse says, don't speak to a fool in his folly, or you may be like him, okay? Now, again, I think I have those totally backwards, but it's, I'm close. I'm really close. And, but the point is, they're two seemingly contradictory statements. They're both completely true, but they apply to different situations. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need that personal instruction. Am I supposed to speak to the fool today or not speak to the fool today? Okay, there are lots of instructions like that in the scripture. They're both totally true and they both work in the right situation, but we need the specific instruction. So we need to stop. Sometimes we got to stop, okay? Slow down. Don't just do what's habitual. And, and I think that having that daily devotional time, just that simple daily devotional time, where we take a little time to get quiet before the Lord. Just get quiet before the Lord. Spend a little time in the word, a little time in prayer, probably a little time in worship. And we just do that on a regular basis. I think it really helps us at these times to hear because life is going to be busy and it's going to get busy. And so that practice of quiet and being still and rest and waiting on the Lord, that practice time, not only do we get good things at that time, but it really helps us come to these intersections and know, I need to slow down. I need to hear from you, right? Okay, so, so he says, we've gotten through what, six words so far? Man. Uh, so he says at the crossroads, stop. And then he tells us, look around and again, I think I said this to you last week, we need to look not only at what's seen, but the scripture actually tells us that we need to, in fact, Paul said we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Okay, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. The Lord gives us the ability to see the spiritual truth behind what appears to be going on at an intersection. And he will sometimes tell us, you know, sometimes it'll look like the way is clear. I should just keep going. And yet the Holy Spirit will be saying, don't, don't do it. Don't take this step. Just don't do it. And it might be just because you need to wait a minute because somebody's going to blow through the light. It might just be whatever. It might be, no, don't ever go on that path. It might also be the time's not right. The time's not right. 
And, you, and so the Lord will tell us. So we need to look around when we get to these decisions. Evaluate what's, what's the end result of taking this road going to be? What's the end result of taking that road? You know, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I was the youngest. And so I had the advantage of watching the other kids grow up. I was five years behind my next older sibling and 12 years behind the oldest one. And so I got to see, you know, a lot of the decisions they made, how that went over with the parents. I knew my parents' boundaries by the time I got there. I knew what they'd put. I'm not saying this is how we should do it with God. We're not looking for God's, what can I get away with? That's not what we're looking for. That was what I was looking for as a kid with my parents. Not a godly way to live. However, watching them and seeing some of the decisions they made in life and how those worked out was really valuable. So there were things I just decided, I'm not doing that because I've already seen that it doesn't work. And that's kind of a part two of looking around. Look around. Look at life. Look at what's working and what's not working. But primarily, we want to look for what God is saying. You know, the scripture tells us that there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. There are a lot of times where something seems right, seems like it should be this way, but it's not. And God's word and God's voice in your life will tell you that. So he tells us to stop. He tells us to look around. He tells us to ask, you know, which means ask. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask, ask the Lord. What am I supposed to do? But that requires us to be patient to be able to hear him. You know, again, we can't let everything be an emergency. So then we get all these uh, to stop, to look, to ask. And I love, I love the end of this verse. It says, then travel on it. Then walk on it. Then do it. Once we hear what God's saying, do it. Okay, do it. Do it that way. Apply it to your life. Change. You know, I've, well, I've never done it that way. Change. Adjust. The Holy Spirit's not going to adjust to us. We're supposed to adjust to him, okay? And, and so he says, walk in it. The, you know, rest and peace are found in hearing and walking in God's word. That's where they are. That's, that's where they're found. So let's try and look at a couple more um, verses today. Um, let's go over here. This is probably as far as we'll get today, but... We need to be hearing what God's saying, perceiving what the Spirit of God is emphasizing to us. He's always emphasizing something. And we're going over to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 23. He's always emphasizing something to us. I believe he's always speaking. He's always leading. He's always guiding. Okay? He, I don't believe, I just don't see it in the Scripture where he just shuts down and goes silent for long periods of time on us. I think I, when, I, when I've experienced that, it's on my end. Okay, I'm having a problem for one reason or another. God doesn't get mad at me about that. He helps me work through it. Okay, but the Lord is seeking to, to speak to us, to bring his word to us, to guide us, to coach us, to build us, all of those things. So this is the Amplified Bible here in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. It says, my son, keep your father's God-given commandment and forsake not the law 
of God your mother taught you. Okay, so again, this is, uh, this is Proverbs, this is Solomon writing, and so he's talking about his parents, David and Bathsheba, that they gave him the word of God. All right, his parents spoke the word of God to him. So we're really talking about the word of God here. And it says, keep your father's commandment, God-given. Keep the word. Okay, keep the word. Whether your father or my father or mother gave you the word or not, let's just get the idea here. Keep the word. That word keep means guard it as something valuable. Guard it the way you would guard the most valuable thing in your life. Keep it. Keep it. Guard it. Keep it. And then it goes on. I love this. It says, bind them, God's words, bind them continually on your heart. Tie them to your heart, right? Tie them about your neck. All right, so we're going to take the word, what God is speaking to us, and we're going to keep it. We're going to tie it to us. We're not going to let the winds of life blow it off our head, right? We're not going to let it just go. We're going to keep it. We're going to embrace it. We're going to sow it into our hearts. We're going to meditate on it, think on it. We're going to value it. We're going to make it the central jewel of our life. We're, we're not going to forget where it is. We're not going, and I'm not talking about forget where a passage is or butcher one like I just did with that, those two from Proverbs. I'm not talking about that. That's okay. See, I did it, so it's okay. No, I'm, I'm saying in your life, right? In your life, the word of God is central. It's important. I will not let the things that I run into in life steal the word out of my heart. I will not let loss or disappointment or offense or fear or tragedy or things I don't understand steal the word out of my life. The word is the word. It is my greatest treasure. I'm saying this to myself, okay? I'm saying this to myself as much as you. It is my greatest treasure. I will not lose it, leave it behind, ignore it. Forget, right? Did you ever forget where he put something? You know, and it can be something fairly important. And it's like, what did I do with that? I thought I had it right here. We can't do that with the word. And that's what's saying. Keep, so if we have, this is an attitude of life about the word. It's describing an attitude. And when I say the word, I'm talking about this word, the written word, and the things God is speaking to you personally. You know, again, we have the big entire instruction we have the individual instructions and corrections within it that God is working each of us through. He's our personal coach. Both of those things, we're tying them to our heart. We're tying them around our neck. We're not going to let them just disappear, get left behind, fall off the back of the car, whatever. Okay. So here's the promise with that attitude. When we have that attitude toward the word, here's, here's the promise. It's pretty good. It says, when you go, okay, so when you're in motion, they shall lead you. Those words that God has spoken shall lead you. All right, so there's a promise here that we need to hold on to. We need to grab hold of when we need to be led. It says, when we go, the word will lead us. Well, it can only do that if it's right here. If it's lost in the basement, it can't really do that. But if it's right here, the word will lead you. That's a very practical statement. 
We make decisions about life based on the word, what the word says, what God says, how God says life works. This is how we make decisions. So we need to know what God says. And again, I was talking to somebody recently that's a very new believer. And I was saying, you know, it's going to be a lifelong process. There's, there's what we call, and we're going to see it in just a second in these verses, what we call the whole counsel of God. Well, I don't think any of us have a hold of the whole counsel of God, but here it is. It's in the word of God and it's, and it's Jesus. It is in Jesus. All right. So he brings us pieces of that counsel, but as we live with him for more and more and more years, hopefully we gain some godly wisdom to where we do know that, well, this principle from the scripture applies right here. And so this is the decision I have to make. And I don't, I can't see how it's going to work, but I know that the word works. So I'm going to live my life based on this word, right? And, and so as we go, as we're moving, as we're making decisions, the word will lead us. Secondly, it says, when you sleep, they, the word, the words of God will keep you, okay? So, you know, we can't all be paying attention to everything all the time. There are those times where we're going through life. We're doing the best we can. We are keeping the word in the center of our heart. We've got it tied around our neck. We're going. But there are times everybody's got to sleep, you know? You can't pay. I think of it more of I can't. This is why I pray when we ride motorcycles because it is something that takes tremendous concentration if you're going to do it safely. You've got to be aware of what's going on all around you but every once in a while, something sneaks up on you. Every once in a while, a bunch of antelope come out of the ditch and come this close to taking you down. Or, you know, some bozo blasts by in the back and didn't see him in the rearview mirror. My fault. And it's not just, you know, and then the trailer comes over and just about takes you. I mean, stuff happens, okay? Stuff happens in life. You can't keep everything in place. And at those times when there's something you're not watching, but you're having this attitude in your heart of keeping the word, the word will guard you. It's that same word. It'll guard you because God values you too. We're supposed to value his word, but he values us. So the word will guard you. It'll keep you safe in places where you went to sleep. You didn't see that coming. Does that make sense to you? So, so it'll, it'll lead you. It'll keep you when you sleep. When you waken, his words will talk with you. I love that verse. I quote that verse all the time for my own life. When I waken, and I take this real literally, the word, and I think you could take it either way. You could take it in the context I was just saying where there's something that comes, just blindsides you in life. Well, the word will speak to you then too. It's not all about you being totally prepared and making all the right steps. None of us are going to do that. And so there's a greater safeguard in the word than that. But when I hold that word in my heart, I also, and I would say this in the context of our overall subject right now, the first moments that you wake up in the morning are a really good time to practice some stillness. And, and you, can, you can, I do this a lot. I can't say I do it every day, but I do this a lot. I'll just stay quiet for a minute and just say, Lord, this is your day. You know, I invite you to take this day and do with it what you want. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's a great Monday morning scripture. 
Okay, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I just try to spend just a little bit of time just sensing the presence of God and just being quiet in my heart. And very often the Lord will speak right there. And you may say, well, my brain's not engaged yet. Good, that's perfect. It's exactly how you want it because you're wanting to hear from the spirit of God in your spirit, not from your brain. Your brain will take over shortly, okay? Your brain will try to take over the rest of your day. It can sleep a little longer, Well, you spend these moments with the Lord, but when we waken, they'll talk with us. The word will talk with us. If you find a scripture coming up in your heart the other night or the other morning, uh, I woke up and I had one of the parables going around. And so I just took that as the Lord speaking to me. I got up, I started to, and I went to the beginning of the chapter. I was going to read through a bunch of parables in that chapter went to the beginning of the chapter. I haven't even gotten to that parable yet. I've been getting so much stuff and I think that's our next series probably. But it was just this simple, quiet little thing. But it's like, well, I doubt my brain was thinking about that. So I believe this is the Spirit of God speaking to me, okay? They'll talk with you. Those words will talk with you when, when you wake up. And then it says, and I'll close with this. I got about maybe a less than a quarter of the way through what I had today. For the commandment is a lamp and the whole teaching of the law is a light. All right, so again, we just talked about this. The whole teaching of the law, the whole counsel of God is like a light that illuminates everything. The individual instruction that we get from God, the individual commandment, it's a lamp. It's right here. It's showing you this path and where it's going and where you are and that kind of, it's right here, all right? We have both of those. God brings both of those things into our life. And then it wraps up again, the same thing we've been saying, the reproofs of discipline are the way or the path of life. The reproofs of discipline. Don't ever be afraid of God's correction. It's good, it's healthy, it's wonderful. It's leading to good things. We're all supposed to be in a process of change. Okay, did you get anything out of this this morning? Let's let's stand up and pray together. We'll let you go. Careful on the ice when you leave. Gary's going to start bringing skates for all of us. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Father, again, I just pray that for all of us, Lord, in this place, we would have a continual, in, continually increasing hunger for your word and for your voice and for what you speak to us. And Lord, we can see that as we are stopping and taking the time, looking around, asking you, Father, and then doing the word, Lord, that's where this place of rest is because all of our lives are busy. Lord, there are lots of decisions and lots of things, but Father, I just pray, and Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask, remind us, remind us, remind us that we're at intersections many times a day, and we need to take at least a moment, Lord, to just be sure we're still on the right road. And Father, I, I just pray for all of us, Lord, that we would get better and better and better at hearing what you're saying, hearing what you're speaking to us, and knowing how that applies to life. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you are the one who Jesus sent to reveal the word, to teach us, to guide us, to counsel us, to lead us. We thank you so much and we invite you 
We commit ourselves to walking along with you, arm in arm, hand in hand. We invite you to speak into our hearts, to bring instruction and correction and discipline. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you that you desire for us to have abundant life. It's so awesome. Just so glad that's who you are. Father, we thank you for it. And I just believe as these people go out this week, Lord, and all the opportunities that are out there, they are lights in the darkness. They, Father, they take your word, they take your life, they take your presence, they take miracles into this community and bring the life of God to it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And then we'll be dismissed. And if you need personal prayer, there'll be a couple of people up here to pray for you. So please take advantage of that. All right, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.